like I love to run, but I openly will admit I'm not fast. Um, mm-hmm. I just enjoy being out there. And so this idea of going further instead of faster really appealed to me. Welcome to the Biz and Life Done Well podcast, where we explore what it means and what it takes to do business and life well. I'm your host, Peter Wilson. If you're like me, you're intrigued by stories of common people who have achieved uncommon success in business and life. Join me as I interview fascinating people about how they got started, their successes and failures, their habits and routines, and what inspires them. Today, my guest is Nathan Cadell. Nathan is a ultra marathoner and a friend of mine. He is also married to Emily Cadell. She is our director of marketing. They live in uh, the Boston area. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I obviously uh, have a vested interest and uh, listen, <laughs> listen every time my wife's on. So it's fun to be on. Good. That's a good move. I wish I could say the same about my spouse uh, listening to my podcast. <laughs> I, I hear the editing uh, and get asked if I liked it pretty consistently. So uh, I just take the easy road. I don't lie. I just go listen to it. And There uh, you go. Good, good. Right. You have been running a long, long distances for a while now. How did you get started? It's kind of a, kind of a crazy story. So um, probably... Let's see here, August, September of 2019. Before I had started running, I had started to experience like some chest pains. Not not too frequent, but my doctor was concerned enough that uh, he sent me to the ER and they had me stay overnight. Uh, my dad had passed away from a heart attack when I was younger. So, And how old are you or how old were you at that time? I was 29 at the time. Okay. So I I wanted to set the context for our listeners who may not be able to see you and get an idea of how old you are. So yeah, I was, I was 29 at the time. My dad passed away when he was 40. Um, So yeah, I was in the hospital uh, overnight and they ran a ton of tests and ultimately kind of concluded that my heart was like in fairly good condition. Um, I had some like high cholesterol issues to look out for, but much more concerned. Like I had, I had high levels of kind of, sh- of anxiety and depression um, that were causing some of the chest pains. I remember this moment, the night um, that I stayed in the hospital that I had to be there by myself. Emily couldn't stay overnight. Um, our son Haddon was at home with her. So I was laying in bed, just couldn't sleep. And I kept having these like visions of all these reminders of like major life events that my dad wasn't at, like my wedding, birth of my son, you know, just all these kind of like, like milestone events in life. And I had this image of my son hadn't going through these events and I wasn't there. It just stuck with me of like, I've got to make some life changes in this moment. I wasn't like very unhealthy, but I mean, I was probably 35 or 40 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, High cholesterol, like I said, just not a healthy diet, not really working out at all. Like I would walk um, to our downtown office. And that was like my workout every week, just, mm-hmm. just not living a healthy life. Well, meanwhile, you were a college athlete, right? Yeah. I played soccer all through college and that's, you know, that's a tough transition when someone forces you to work out two hours a day as part of your practice. And then yeah. you graduate and that's just not there anymore. seems like life gets busy and filled with other things and that can easily take a backseat and it had. 
made the decision kind of then there, I needed to do something. And I had ran a half marathon in college, um, just decided I wanted to do it and train for it and made it happen. So running was kind of what I knew and, um, sat down with Emily on my 30th birthday and told her like, I want to run a marathon before the end of my 30th birthday. And, um, she was like, all right, let's do it. So kind of started training for one, started getting into running a little bit. And then obviously COVID happened and every marathon just shut down and went virtual. So I had done all this training and, and put in this work and <clears throat> definitely was not ready to run a marathon, but I wanted to do it because I had, I had done all the work. And yeah. so, uh, we put together a backyard marathon around my that. apartment complex. Yeah. It was, um, a ridiculous idea that, um, it, it was a lot of fun, but super cool. I thought we put, it was like a, it's like a 0.19 mile loop or something like that around my apartment complex. I ran it like 160 times. Wow. Uh, of course we scheduled it for a day and it ended up being 60 all week, really beautiful. And then the Saturday of the run, it was like 90 degrees out. Uh, just, just everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong, but we had a bunch of friends over and, you know, did like a social distanced aid station in my backyard and, you know, made an event of it. And just from there kind of fell in love with running and knew that I wanted to do, uh, more, uh, more marathons and yeah, I get, somebody handed me at some point kind of along this process, a book called North and North is the journey, uh, Scott Jurek, who's like a very famous ultra marathoner, uh, took to try to set the speed record for the Appalachian trail. So I tried to run the Appalachian trail faster than anybody else. And it was kind of the first time my eyes were opened of like, oh, you can actually go further than a marathon. Like that's a thing. Oh, okay. Um, I'd always thought running was you try to get faster and then you qualify for Boston. And that's, that's when you've made it. Like I love to run, but I openly will admit I'm not fast. Um, mm -hmm. I just enjoy being out there. And so this idea of going further instead of faster really appealed to me. That's kind of how the journey started. That's what really kind of got me into running was just like a lot of these factors of health and just finding something and becoming extremely passionate about it. And then having this realization that there's more to it and there's more distances to cover and uh, more obstacles to jump over. And yeah. Along the way, I'm, I'm guessing that there may have been some people in your life. Obviously um, Emily has uh, had a big impact on supporting you. And of course, Haddon, are there others kind of in your tribe or maybe a newfound tribe that have kind of inspired you or yeah absolutely i mean that's one of the things i love about kind of the ultra running community is it's just you go to these races and everybody is trying to do something crazy like we <laughs> we all understand you're running 30 or 50 or 60 or 100 miles like whatever it is and nobody is at an aid station shaking their head like no nah, this guy can't do it like right. it's just a group of people that all want to see you succeed I actually applied to be part of this um, program called Becoming Ultra, which is this deal where you sign up, they do a selection of eight runners, and then you get paired with a coach and someone coaches you to run your first ultra marathon. And part of the deal is that you agree to go on the podcasts and kind of talk about your journey and your experience. So mm -hmm. I was really fortunate to get 
kind of dropped into this community of seven other runners that were all going through the same thing as me, all trying to experience the same thing as me. Uh, we were going through all the ups and downs of prepping for your first ultra together. And then because of COVID and because, you know, most races were shut down, probably five of the eight of us went to Colorado and ran an ultra together, kind of ran mm-hmm. this ultra up through the mountains of Colorado. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of people here on top of Emily and people that I work with, people I go to yeah. church with that have just been extremely like supportive and encouraging. And, uh, but there's just something about the ultra running community where you show up and you just think there's no way I can go five more miles to the next aid station. And somehow five people you've never met rally around you and get you the food that you need and get you the stuff that you need to make sure you can make it to the next aid station. And it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. You're, you mentioned the Colorado uh, was your first, uh, I believe that's what you said. Your first ultra marathon. Yeah. What was the distance and what was the elevation of that, um, that run? So it was a 50 K. So give me the miles here, boss. 31, 31 ish miles. Okay. Uh, so not too much further than a marathon, um, about five miles more. Oh gosh. The elevation was like 9,000 feet, I think is what it was. Oh my gosh. So it was, uh, it was, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, the guy that puts it all together lives just kind of in this small mountain town and he just set up. We called it like the lollipop because you go out to a certain point and then you would go left or right. And it was a big circle. It was like five miles total, something like that. Yeah. So we all ran it six times. He set up an aid station in his garage, basically, <laughs> um, of just drinks and food and everything you would need. You know, it was like it was it was fun. It was amazing. You know, mm. you're running past people that are doing the same thing that you're doing you know, just again, everybody's encouraging each other. You've listened to everybody's story. So, you know, you know, everything that's brought people to this point, people knew about my story of being in the hospital with my dad, you know, they had shared similar experiences that made them want to jump into running. And yeah, it was just, you know, you're, you're running past five people and high-fiving each other. And it was, it was really cool. It was a, uh, it was a tough race. There was a snowstorm the day of the race. And so it was supposed to snow for like two hours. And I think it took me like six and a half to seven hours to finish my run. And it snowed the whole time, just dumped the whole time. So it's uh, it was a, it was a pretty, like, I, I promise that not all of my races have miserable weather. There's, there's some good ones out there, but my first two were tough. For yeah. Sure. 90 in Boston, mm-hmm. probably massive humani- uh, humidity and then in Colorado. Wow. What did you learn about yourself after you finished that first ultra? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, that you when you're when you're running for 5 plus hours, you just have time to think and process. There's kind of this old expression from I think Billy Yang, who's a filmmaker, has a film called this. And so it's kind of been something I've adopted um, that talks about ultra marathons as life in a day. Like mm. In an ultra marathon, you experience all the emotions and all the highs and lows of life. You just pack it into one day. <laughs> De- I de- there was definitely a lot of that in that first run. 
Um, but the biggest thing I remember taking away was I remember having this realization that I had lived my life. I always live my life someday. And what I mean is in my head, I had always, I'd wanted to run a marathon since college. Mm-hmm. And I just kept telling myself, I'm going to do it someday. Mm-hmm. And I had all these goals and dreams that I was going to do someday. And that was the first time that I think I, I, I decided, no, I'm actually going to do it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to wait until someday I'm going to start today and make it happen. And it kind of helps when you get chosen for, and you have to go share your experience with, you know, however many people that are listening to a podcast. Right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I just, in that, in that ultra, I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. And if I had a dream, I was going to go for it. Or if I had a goal, I was going to chase it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't going to tell myself that someday there'll be more time to do it because that just has never been the case. And so, yeah, I just made the commitment, kind of this realization, I need to stop living for someday and start living today. Wow. I am not a runner at all, but I've done a couple halves and I, I don't, I don't think I necessarily experienced that life in a day like you're talking about. But mm-hmm. the thing that I recall was the amount of camaraderie and support from nearly everybody along the way. Like there's, a, there's always a couple dudes, you know, with their headphones on and they're just trucking, right? They right. could, you know, but I'm not going to keep up with those guys anyway. But I just remember um, being out there and meeting a few people. I still remember those people today. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably had like a half hour conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're just both running. Like you're yeah. not going anywhere. There's nothing yeah. to do. Uh, and there's definitely, I don't want to make it sound, you know, there's very competitive ultra runners. Sure. Um, there are people that are trying to win races and, you know, are sponsored by shoe companies and want to show up. But even then you, you don't, you don't run a hundred miles and just don't talk to anybody. Right. Like no, no one puts their head down for 15 hours and doesn't say a word. So even those guys are, you know, they're hanging out with each other and having great conversation. And then, you know, the men and the women that show up to win the race, like they get, you get to a point where it's, it's kind of race time and Mm -hmm. um, things shift a little bit, but there's just such a camaraderie, even among like elite runners that it's just, there's just something special about running. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't think there's support systems quite like it. What did you learn about your faith? If anything, along the way? It's a great question. I I think one of the things running has taught me, and it definitely applies to my faith, but it it applies kind of holistically in life as well, Uh is just the need to be disciplined is in terms of faith. You know, there's so many, you know, I I read a ton of books. I love to read Um, as a pastor, you know, I'm trying to, you know, kind of gain knowledge so I can help share it with other people. And that's, that's all great. But I read, I read things and I know that they would have a massive shift in my life or would make, you know, great change or would help me get to this um, deeper level of faith that I'm trying to jump into, or I'm trying to pursue. And if you're not disciplined enough to, to take the steps, it, it just doesn't matter. And I think running has taught me that you just need to, you need to find the ways to discipline yourself to get there. Yeah, it's one of the things that I've kind of run into in business and in, um, you know, just life as well is consistency mm-hmm. that uh, no matter how how small the thing may seem in terms of, you know, I got to get up and do this. Like I've got this routine where I'll play 
squash on Monday, do a hit workout on Tuesdays and play squash again on Thursday. And, and I've found that when I, when I keep that routine, I wouldn't necessarily call it discipline, but it's just forcing myself to keep a routine that it really uh, has made a difference in my life. Personally, the thing that really kept me on track, though, was not some inner personal willpower, but it was more about fear of disappointing those that are going to be waiting for me down at the gym, for example. Right. So right. it's like, it's almost like it's not a fear of missing out, but it's almost, I, I've set myself up for this situation where if I didn't show up, it's going to have consequences. That's kind of one thing that I've sort of learned along the way. I mean, it's sort of a cheat, I guess, in a way for discipline. Have you uh, have you had any uh, similar thoughts or experiences with regard to that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely, I run with people for okay. sure. And so it's good to you know know that my buddy's going to show up at nine o'clock on Saturday morning and we're going to go run 10 miles. And so I have to be ready to do it. Yeah. Um, I have tried very, very hard. You know, I'm married. I have a kid. I have another one on the way. I have a job. Congrats. By the um, way. Yeah. Thank you. I don't want my life to revolve around running. I want running to fit in my life. Got it. And so I've tried very, like I'll, I'll set my schedule because I'll have, you know, to take, son to school and then i'll have you know meetings with people at the church that want to talk about stuff that's going on in their life and then mm -hmm. i'll have to write a talk for sunday or you know reach out to a small group leader who something happened in their small group and then you talk or whatever it is mm -hmm. and i'll set my schedule and then i'll my run will fit where there's a gap which means sometimes my running happens at six in the morning sometimes it happens at lunch sometimes it happens at five in the evening it just, it, it, it kind of fits. And I know that's not maybe the thing everybody would do. Maybe sure. that like it doesn't fit everyone at everyone else's schedule or, but I, right. I want to be a person who runs and not a runner who has a life. You know, I want, like, <laughs> I, I have right. other, I have other bigger priorities than getting my run in, but for me to reach kind of the goals that I want to reach in running, I have to get it in. So, so when you say get it in, so on average, how much are you running? A week, a month, which what what sort of your depends obviously your training yeah. at different times, but you know, give me an average. Yeah, probably average maybe fifty-five to sixty miles a week. A week? Yeah, a week. <laughs> so I'll get up, you know, I'm I like you're you're training for, you know, so my next race is a hundred mile race. So I'm that's what I'm training for. So at my peak, I'll be running maybe 75 miles a week, but most of the time I'll be running 45 to 50 somewhere in there. Wow. Um, so you build up and uh, as you get closer to the race, you kind of have a peak training time where you're doing more miles than you ever would. But right now I'm running like a lot less. Like I think I ran. I, so I just finished a race two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so I took a week off and then I ran like 20 miles the the second week and i'll be running i don't know was it like 35 this week with some just strength training and stuff like that just trying to get my legs back so it it fluxes quite a bit but i would say probably probably the 50 to 55 is what it averages out to oh my i mean you must be going through gear like crazy yeah i, I probably get a new pair of running shoes every like six weeks or so oh my gosh it's uh <laughs> Be nice to be sponsored, right? 
yeah if, any, if there are any sponsors that are checking out this podcast i could use some stuff so <laughs> all right you heard it here first that's right <laughs> that's a lot of gear what does that do to your body i mean you know you've got to uh you've got to be you've got to feel it you're probably well beyond sort of like hey i'm gonna go run my first marathon obviously you know what is that like i mean you know, do you have like a massive food intake or like how do you even keep up yeah probably the probably more expensive than gear is the amount of food that i eat um I'm, i think my family can attest to that <laughs> uh yeah it's i mean as, as far as body once you get to kind of a certain level of fitness you don't really feel the effects as much anymore. I mean, when I'm in kind of peak mode, I'll be sore at night, but mm -hmm. like this week is like, I, I'm not sore this week. Um, wow. you can, you can kind of tell when you go for your runs, especially after a race that like your legs aren't as bouncy as they are. Like it's, it's hard to push off and push forward for a few weeks until you get that strength back a little bit, but you just don't, you know, you don't notice, you know, big soreness. And even after my race, which was like 52 miles, I was really only sore for maybe a couple of days. And, you know, I, I couldn't have run on the third day, or if I tried to, it would have been really bad. Mm -hmm. um, would have been very slow. You know, your fitness isn't back, but just, you get to a point where you just kind of have built the strength and the endurance in your legs that the soreness isn't there. Um, but yeah, the food intake is crazy because you're, you know, I'm burning, like a thousand calories every day on my run. So I'm basically right. having to eat two other meals somewhere in there to try to make up for it. And yeah, it's uh it's great because I love to eat, but uh it's not <laughs> it's not so great on the budget sometimes. Right. And 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 I should mention you are, as I recall, vegetarian, right? Uh we're vegan. Vegan. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Right. So you've got that additional challenge there to um you know, I, I mean, you know, for me, it'd be just like grab a burger, and, but <laughs> I realize that's not, uh, not an option, nor is that necessarily a good option anyway, but, um, there's, there's plenty of and beyond burgers that, uh, get consumed in our house for sure. Got it. <laughs> so if you were talking to somebody who was, uh, thinking about, you know, listening to your story and thinking, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's something I'd like to do. What, what would you, uh, what do you, what, you know, I'm sure you get approached all the time by people like, Hey, tell me about that. What, what, what do you tell people? I think the first thing I would say is don't, don't sign up for an ultra for your first race. <laughs> um, you know, give yourself, give yourself some time, you know, um, even e you can even look at like, you can sign up for a 5k or a 10k and plan to use that as like a training run for a longer run. Like you can have the goal of you want to run a 50k, but give yourself plenty of time. There's no rush. Uh, know that it's probably not going to be real fun for a couple weeks. I mean, anytime you start something new, it's just really difficult, especially in running from conversations I've had. People just want to start running and be really good at it. And it's just not, it's just not the case. You know, I was really bad at it when I started. I was barely getting two and a half to three miles in. I was extremely slow. I probably did not look graceful at all whatsoever. You know, it's just, it just is, you know, starting new things is tough. So you, you, you started kind of at ground zero, it sounds like. When I started running, I was probably, like I said, I was probably like 35 pounds heavier than I am now. Yeah. 
didn't really know anything about it outside of I ran in college for soccer and right. it you just I just put on shoes and tried to go three miles a day for three or four days or two and a half miles or whatever I could get in and then just kind of built up from there. You know, there's there's books out there that have like a training plan if you want to run a half. So it'll tell you, you know, for the eight weeks leading up to your half marathon, run this on each day. I think I had I think I ran a uh, marathon. The book's called Marathon by Hal okay. Hayden is the one I did. But there's tons. If you if you look up training plans on Google, you yeah. can find tons of stuff. Um, so, it, you know, if you have a goal race or if you sign up for a race, it probably helps to have some kind of plan that tells you what to what to run and when to run and take a little bit of the guesswork out. It, it's a process of learning to run. And I think that's the bigger, bigger thing, whether you're, you're doing 5Ks or 10Ks or 100 milers or whatever it is you end up doing. Like if you want to run to get in shape and you hate it, you're not going to keep doing it. And you need to find something that you love that you're going to do consistently. And running just happens to be that thing for me. Mm. So give yourself some time. Know that it's going to be hard and unfun for a few weeks. You'll, you'll get there. Like it'll, it'll, a switch will turn and you'll start to love it and enjoy it. The book that I read when I was endeavoring to do some running, and it was when I was about turning 40-ish. It was when I was, I think I ran my first half when I was like turning 40 that year, was a book called No Need for Speed. The guy who wrote the book, it's an amazing story. The guy was massively overweight, had a Mm -hmm. terrible lifestyle. On his first events that he would do, he talked about running for a while, then walking, and then you know going into a Starbucks and mm-hmm. you know grabbing a coffee or something. <laughs> his uh, overriding theme in that book is give yourself some grace. I mean, the name of the book says it all: no need for speed, right? Right. Um, you know, we go as fast as we can, but the mm-hmm. fact that you're out there, that you know, the fact that you're going to go slower is not a reason why you should you know, not do it and just sit on the couch. Right. Right. That, and that was, for me, that was kind of a motivator for others. That's not necessarily going to be enough. You know, a lot of other people are going to be more competitive and, you know, I got it, but then you have this whole idea of your personal record as well. So, and I'm, I'm guessing you probably run into that from time to time where you're trying to beat your own time. That's the beautiful thing about running is that you are your competition. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're an elite, and your livelihood depends on you finishing in a, a top spot, which if so, don't listen to my advice. You know, well, what I mean, but like for I'm not going to have those guys on the podcast yeah, for the average person who just is trying to run. I think there's always a temptation to look at other people's times and feel like you should reach that. But the like I said, the beauty of running is that you get to look at your own time and try to beat that. And there are like you can see incremental um, like increases in your speed and you can see how your time is coming down and how you're getting faster and how you're getting stronger. And like that, that's all measurable within yourself. You don't have to look for outside competition. You can compete with yourself. There's always, you know, like I think no need for speed like that. That's kind of a beautiful like sentiment. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to be the fastest person. You just have to keep putting the work in. And eventually you're going to be faster than you were yesterday. And eventually, right. you're going to be faster, you know, I've seen that. I've seen my time come down, um, you know, over the last three years. And sometimes your time doesn't come down. You just realize like your heart rate did and you're not working as hard to go that speed anymore. And you're getting stronger that way. And there's just all kinds of ways you can see yourself bettering yourself. Yeah. If you think about it, if you want to be the fastest, there's only one person that's going to win the race or maybe two, one per 
gender. So, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I think it's true. It might not be as true in five K's or 10 K's, but anytime you hit a half marathon and up, there's so many things that can go wrong. Anything can go this. I, I just did my 52 mile race and my stomach would not let me eat real food. It was not having it. So I had a ton of gels and drank a lot of my calories from like drink mix and stuff like that. And there's just, you just don't know the, the end of the race was up and over this mountain. Mm-hmm. And you have in the last probably three or four miles, like a one mile, just complete descent. Like it is straight down. And I didn't, I didn't bring trail shoes because I didn't know that was going to be the case. So I'm on street shoes, like no. literally sitting on rocks, trying to slide off and reach another rock. That's just, that's just running stuff, stuff happens, you know? And so I think just being able to do, to adjust to that and, you know, being okay with, I'm, I'm going to be my best today, whatever the circumstances are. I think running is a lot more about adjusting to the problems that you find than trying to be the best person at the race. You know, right. and sometimes the best person at the race is just the person that adjusted to the problems a little bit better than everyone else or was lucky enough to not experience the problems. Like they didn't have stomach issues on that day. Right. They didn't have something happen with their shoes. You know, there's a, a thousand things, like I said, that can go wrong figuring out how to adjust your race according to those problems is going to make a huge difference. And it's going to be the way you compete against yourself more than anything else. Sounds like good lessons for life too. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, Nathan, this has been amazing. I, I, I'm just amazed to hear your story. And I know we're just scratching the surface here. Is there anything you'd like to uh, share with our listeners? I would definitely encourage, I don't know if all your readers, all your listeners are big readers. Readers are leaders is what I was always, there you was go. always drilled in me in college. I definitely go check out North by Scott Jurek, even if you're not a runner, the kind of life lessons and um, the things that he learned along the way. This is a like month and a half, two months journey of him trying to speed run the Appalachian trail. There's a lot of adjustments that happen. A lot of things that can go wrong and do go wrong. You know, I learned a lot about life just from the book itself. So definitely go check that out. And thanks for, you know, I want to say thanks for having me on. It's been a ton of fun and I'm always happy to talk about running a little bit. So I appreciate it. Great. Well, thank you. So we'll put a link to the book in the, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, put a link to your Instagram if that's okay as well. Definitely. Folks want to follow you a little bit. Nathan, thanks a lot. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Biz and Life Done Well with Peter Wilson. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most of the other popular podcast platforms. Please tell your friends about us and leave us a review so even more people will find out about us. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.